chapter 3, I'm going to mention uh, a few other verses on the way to Proverbs. Tonight, today I want to talk to you about how to face sudden fear. How to face sudden fear. Because fear is a reality in the world that we live in. All of us experience fear trying to come and take over and, and, and just control our lives. We see that it hasn't changed from the time of Timothy and Paul because Paul addresses in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul's writing to Timothy. And he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Notice Paul says it's a spirit. But of power and love and a sound mind. Later in that same letter to Timothy, he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. The word perilous there means violent, fierce, wild, savage, harsh. It means dangerous. So God's Word has protected us and given us foreknowledge that living in the last days, we're going to face dangerous things. We're going to face times that are perilous. But He doesn't tell us to allow that fear to have a hold in our life, but just the contrary, when Jesus has a hold on our life, fear can't win. Amen? The, the disciples came to Jesus and they were asking Him questions about what's going to take place in the last days. In Matthew chapter 24, it says, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? That was the question they asked. In verse 6, Jesus answered and said, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Notice Jesus announces something that's going to be evident in the last days. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. But he immediately come, turns it back around and says, don't live in fear. Don't, be in, and don't think of that, those things and allow that to just take over your life. Don't be troubled. Then he goes on and says, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Pestilences there literally means a fatal epidemic or a plague. How many have heard anything on the news lately? about a fatal epidemic or a plague. You're not to live in fear, church. You're to keep your eyes on Jesus and His character, His nature, the truth about Him, and trust in Him. He has prepared us, living in these last days, that we will be strong, that we will be secure, that we will be settled so that we can minister to those that fear has a hold in their life. Amen? And it's easy to find people that are living in fear right now. I've had them call me on the phone recently. Stop by the church. What do you think about the coronavirus, Pastor? Well, it's not any good. I don't want it. But how are we to respond? God's Word gives us truth 
in Proverbs chapter 3 as to how we are to respond when fear suddenly comes into our lives. And I love this chapter, I love this portion of this chapter. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror. Did you hear that? Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence. The Lord will be your confidence. The Lord will be your confidence. Amen. I could break into song over that. And will keep your foot from being caught. Now I want us to look at this. Because fear can happen. It can happen at a phone call. How many have ever gotten a phone call? That brought fear into your life. You can get a call. Being part of the sheriff's department years ago, there were calls that were made to families when there was an accident that were tragic calls to make. Where they would ask, is this so-and-so? And they would say, yes, it is. And then an officer would have to tell them, there's been an accident. Is so-and-so your son or daughter or relative? And you could just sense fear coming upon them. And they'd say they're in the hospital. They've been in a tragic accident. Or even worse, they, they, they've been killed in an accident. Fear comes and, and tries to torment us. Fear comes and tries to take over our lives and hinder us from trusting in God. It happens when you watch the nightly news sometimes. Sometimes I think it would be a lot better for us if we didn't watch so much news. Amen? Just get some headlines, what's going on in the world, you know what to pray about, and, and, and quit letting that 24-hour fear monger <laughs> just continue to repeat what's going on. It, it can happen if, as you watch the nightly news. It can, it can happen in various ways. It can come through the mail. It can, it can, you can open the mail and all of a sudden there's a, a piece of mail that was certified and someone is angry at you. Someone is suing you. You think, oh no, I'm going to lose everything I have. It can come when the boss calls you in, into his office and he has, so tells you to sit down and have a seat and he says, I'm sorry Nick, but we're going to restructure things and we're not going to need a youth pastor anymore. You're out of here. <laughs> Just kidding. Most of us have probably experienced something like that. Fear comes. Fear is a reality. 
It wants to come and and destroy your life and take hold of you. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. Amen? But of power and love and a sound mind. So what what do we do at that moment? What do we do when when something like that comes and it just overwhelms us? What do we do when the stock market crashes and we look at our 401k and we think, I'll never be able to retire? Who's your provider? Is it your 401k? Is it your job? No. Jesus. It's God. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, right? He is our provider. In our text in Proverbs here, I want you to notice several things. First of all, look at verse 25. Where does fear come from? What does it say in verse 25? Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. It's alluding to the wicked one. It's alluding to Satan. The devil, he comes to do what? Jesus said he comes not to do anything else but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It comes from him. He wants you to experience that spirit of fear. He wants you to be bound up with fear. I've known people that were so bound up with fear, they never stepped foot out of their house. They were afraid. They wouldn't go shopping. They'd have somebody else do it for them. They would never go to church. They wouldn't go anywhere. They, they were bound up in fear. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you might have life. Everybody say life. And life more abundant. Amen. Jesus is our life. And it's not just an existence, church. It's an abundant life. It's a blessed life. It's the greatest life that we can possibly experience. And it's because of Him, knowing Him, trusting Him. But what I want us to see is the point that Jesus said the enemy only does three things and that never changes. How many of you have ever thought, wow, it's been a whole month, nothing's gone wrong, no financial disasters, no sickness, hey, everything's going great, the old devil's giving me a break. Wrong. Steal, kill, and destroy. It never changes. I had a lady years ago that was in the church and we were praying intensely for for God to move in the church and to move in the town and for people to be saved and and just a move of God and 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 uh, as soon as we started praying it wasn't a few days she came in and she said pastor I can't do this anymore as soon as I started praying like that I've been attacked every day so I I, I don't want to do this anymore I said wrong I said, you got to realize He's going to come against you no matter what you do. It doesn't matter because He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you if He can. He wants to destroy your life. If it wasn't for the mercies of God, every one of us right now would be in intense, extreme pain. And every one of us, He would be doing everything He can to drag us to death. And then to drag us to hell. 
That's His plan for every person that's alive today. Amen? Every one of us. His plan doesn't change. So church, don't sit back and when He, when he does come and, and He does attack you, you stand up to Him because greater is He who's in you than He who's in the world. Jesus says, I give you authority to trample on the scorpions and the serpents. Amen? And he was referring to the kingdom of darkness. We have authority. The only way he can win and come against you is where we allow him to do that. By our unbelief, by giving in and accepting that fear, or by sin, allowing sin to continue in our life. But when we stand in the power of his Holy Spirit, we will not succumb to the power of the enemy. Amen? So what do, you, what do you do about the coronavirus, Pastor? I pray about it. I pray for those families. I pray for the people that are suffering. I rebuke it away from me and my family and our church. Jesus said it's going to happen in the world we live in. But guess who is in ultimate control? Amen? It's Jesus! <laughs> Listen to what what the Word says in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You want to know why? That we're not in constant pain? That we're not in constant attack? We don't want to know why the enemy isn't able to, to steal and kill and destroy our lives. It's because of God's overshadowing mercy. His, his hand of mercy above not only you, but above this world. God loves those that don't even know Him. Those that are involved in, in uh, cults and, and other practices and false religions. He still loves them enough that He gives an overshadowing presence is mercy that hinders the enemy from doing everything that the enemy wants to do amen so be thankful for the mercy of the lord and when fear comes what what most hap, happens most commonly what i've noticed through the years it's interesting fear comes and and what what, what, what do we normally do just we react in our humanness and usually we react quickly i got to do something so I'm going to do this. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, uh, we're heading out of town. I, I, I lost my job and, and uh, we're, we, we're selling everything and we're moving right now. And it's the first I've heard of it. I'm going, oh, really? And I'm not saying that if you lost your job, God might not open up another job for you someplace else. But what my point is, is that they reacted out of fear Instead of praying about it, listening to godly counsel, coming to elders or mature Christians and saying, hey, I'm in this situation, will you pray with me? I need to hear from God. And all of us have that tendency. When we're, when we, when we're struck with sudden fear, we just we got to do something. we got to do it now. <laughs> and if we do that, and we don't settle down and say, Lord, I'm still trusting you. My focus is still on you. Lord, I want to do what you want me to do in this situation. Amen? That's what we need to do. 
Look at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. I'm thankful I have a multitude of counselors. I have godly men that have walked with the Lord for many, many years that I meet with every Tuesday, the elders of our church. I also meet with our staff. And I also uh, meet with our deacons. And all three of these groups come together and they help me. And when, when I have a question, when I'm struggling with something, I'll say, hey, I need prayer for this. And they'll, they'll come alongside and say, let's pray. And they'll give me godly counsel. And I'm thankful for that. In church, all of us need that. We all need that godly counsel. Back in our text, in, in uh, Proverbs 3, look at verse 21. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. What is them? Well, let's go back and look. Them are the traits of the Lord that are mentioned in the verses that we just read. Look at verse, verses 19 through 20. Look at the first one. It says, The Lord by his wisdom founded the earth. Wisdom there in the original Hebrew means to, that he has the experience and the skill and the shrewdness and the wisdom to form the earth. Now, think about that. So when fear tries to come against you, you keep your eyes on the fact that the Lord has ultimate wisdom. Amen? So, I don't have ultimate wisdom. How about you? But the Lord tells us in His Word that if we ask Him for wisdom, He will freely give us wisdom. And so, we look to Him and we keep our eyes on the fact that it was His wisdom that created and formed the earth. How many think God did a pretty good job of forming the earth we live in? Think about it. I mean, I love to study it. Because if it was just a few degrees closer to the sun, it would be too hot for us to exist. If it was a few degrees further away, it would be too cold. The atmosphere is perfect for us to live. I love the beauty of the world we live in. I love the beauty of Alaska. I thank God that He called me here. Even though it's cold and the winters last a long time. I'm thankful. I know that I know that I know that God brought me from Texas to Alaska and planted my family here. And I love the beauty around it. And every time I look at the beauty, it speaks to me that God, in His wisdom, formed not only the earth, but our solar system, our universe, the universes. We don't know how far it reaches. And God, in His wisdom, did all that. So church, the next time fear tries to come and you need a, an answer, you need God, God's wisdom, I want you to look and remember the God of all wisdom can come into your situation and give you the wisdom for whatever you're facing. Aren't you thankful for that church? He figured everything out. His creative power. In fact, God still creates. He can still bring something out of nothing. He can still enter into your situation where you're struggling, where there's problems and difficulties, and you say, God, I need this and I don't have it. 
And God said, well, that's good because I can get it. Because I can make it. I can create it. I can bring it into existence. Aren't you thankful for that? So God has wisdom for you in your situation. Trust Him. Allow Him to guide and direct you. Secondly, notice the word understanding. Our text says, by understanding He established the heavens. The the word understanding there means uh, insight and it means not foolish. How many have ever been foolish? You've done a dumb thing. And you knew it. All of us have. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have done silly things, foolish things. And God has understanding God doesn't do foolish things. So when we're in a situation where we've done something foolish, we can look to God who is never foolish, who has insight and understanding for the situation we're in, and we can say, Lord, I need that insight. I need that understanding. Give me, Lord, the answer for what I have been doing foolishly the third thing is the word knowledge it says by his knowledge the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew the word knowledge there means discernment it means knowing he is all-knowing aren't you glad that we serve a God that knows everything amen he knows everything He knows what's going to be tomorrow, what's going to be next week, what's going to be next year. And He will prepare us for whatever we're facing. You don't know what's going to come down into your life next year. You may be struggling from a sickness. You may be struggling from a disease. You may be in the middle of China when when a plague breaks out. What are you going to do? Are you going to respond in haste? Or are you going to keep your eyes on Jesus and His wisdom and His knowledge and His understanding? Keep your eyes on Him. When the terror comes, when that fear comes. Look at verse 19. It says, He established the heavens. Now when it talks about the heavens there, it's talking more about more than our just blue sky where the birds fly and the planes soar. It's talking more than the, universe, than the, the space where the stars are. It's talking about the invisible realm. It's talking about where God's throne is. God is established. Amen? Now this is an important point. I want you to grab this. How many have ever been uneasy and you knew you were in a situation that you were just not steady in i mean you were on the brink of a disaster you were right there at the cliff with one one foot already over ready to fall you you were in that type of situation god is established in the heavens in the place of all ultimate authority god is established So God can come into your situation and steady your feet. He can establish you in the midst of the the trial, the tribulation, the temptation, whatever you're facing, God will come and establish you. Are you like that? When I was uh, playing in sports many years ago, when when I was young and could do those things, 
I remember it didn't matter what sport I was playing, they would teach you the correct stance. I mean, whether it was football and you were in a you know, three-point stance, whether it was baseball and you had to have your you know, feet spread so far apart at the batter's plate, or whether it was basketball and you were shooting a free throw, you'd have your you know, stance that gave you stability. And God wants us to be stable. He wants us to be stable in whatever we're facing. And so when we look at Him, we keep our eyes on Him, we cry out to Him, God will establish us no matter what we're going through. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly. You ever need delivered? The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Out of whatever we're facing, the Lord knows how to deliver us out of that. Now back in our text, in verse 26, listen to this. He will keep your foot from being caught. You will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. Then look at verse 24. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. How many have ever had fear keep you up at night? Where, where you're in the middle of a situation and your brain won't shut off. You can go take, you know, an aspirin or something to help you sleep. And guess what? There you are. You're, you're wide open. Your eyes are wide open in the middle of the night and your brain's just going. And if you're married, you say, could you go do that on the couch, please? Fear comes, and it wants to grip us. But look at this promise, church. I love verse 24. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of you need to receive that today. Because you're struggling to get sleep because you're in a situation. Guess what? You can't fix the situation, but the God that loves you can fix that situation. The God that cares about you. The God that's on the throne and in control. He can fix that situation. And then it goes on and says, Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Oh, yes, Lord. I read this verse years and years ago, and it is very, very rarely that I wake up at night from fear. Something churning over and over in my mind. It's very, very rarely. Usually if I wake up at night, it's the Lord calling me to pray for something. Or the call of nature, one or the other. But I sleep at night and I sleep soundly and I'm thankful that my sleep is sweet because I am keeping my eyes on the attributes, on the nature of the God that I serve and I trust Him wholeheartedly. I'm thankful He has promised that He will establish my feet. In verse 22, so they will be life to your soul. Our soul is the command center. Our soul has been described as 
is our, our personality, it's our mind, our will, and our emotions. And there's two things that commonly affect our mind and our will and our emotions. Our feelings and our intellect. Our feelings and our intellect. We make decisions based on what we know or how we feel. Ever, have you ever done that? How many realize you don't know everything? How many of us realize we do not have the greatest intellect? Amen? I'm speaking for myself. I know I don't have the greatest intellect. I need Jesus! And guess what? He is all-knowing. He knows everything. He does have the greatest intellect. And so He can guide me and direct me and tell me whatever I'm facing, I can go through with Him. Also in verse 22 it says, and grace to your neck. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever read that? And said, Why does God give grace to my neck? Now at first that sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? God gives grace to your neck. Well, we know that our head in, in Scripture is symbolic of a person's uh, authority and confidence and identity. And guess what holds up our head? Guess what enables our head to turn, to function? It's our neck. The Lord gives grace to our neck so that our head is able to be held up again. Psalm 3, verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. Amen? God doesn't intend for you to live in fear and, and cower and, and, and live in defeat and walk and live through life with your head always down. I've met people that, that lived under a cloud, a cloud of fear and a cloud of, that uh, just overwhelmed their life and, and they just went through life and they never looked up. They always just lived, looked down. And the Lord wants to come to those that have been through bad things in the middle of a situation. You may feel like, Oh, it's hopeless. What am I going to do? And the Lord comes and He gives grace to our neck and He lifts our head. That we can stand strong. That we can see forward. That we can see the vision that He has for us. We can go on and know that God is in control. Amen. Some of you today, you've been going through life and you may not be physically going through life with your head down, but spiritually you've been going around with your head down. And today the Lord wants to lift up your head. Keep your eyes on Him. Keep your eyes on His wisdom, His knowledge, and His understanding. There's one more verse I want us to look at. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. For the Lord will be your confidence. Verse 26. The Lord will be your confidence. Church, who is your confidence in today? I pray that it's not in me because I'll let you down. I pray that your confidence isn't in our church because a church can let you down. I pray your confidence isn't in a worship team because they can let you down. I pray your confidence isn't in your husband or your wife because they can let you down. 
I pray your confidence isn't in your boss or your best friend because they can let you down. But the Lord will never let you down. Amen. The Lord will never let you down. And finally, finally, there's one more verse I want to I give you. It's in Exodus. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. We're, we're closing. So just listen for one more moment. The people were complaining against Moses. And the Lord says that He makes a statute and an ordinance. And then He tests the people. Verse 26 in chapter 15, the Lord says this, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Everybody say that with me. I am the Lord who heals you. This God is showing us something else of his nature in, in a compounded name. It's Jehovah. Jehovah is the first part, and Rofika is the second part. And it's, inter it's interesting. I want, I want you to get this. God is giving us this expression of His name, showing us His character. Rofi means to restore, heal, and cure, or a physician. And it means to heal physically, morally, and spiritually. And the K-A at the end of that, Rofika, is important because God is saying, I am your personal physician. It's, it's personally directed individually towards you. So it's not, a, not a, a message where God says, I am the Lord that heals this person only and this person only and that person only. God says, I am the Lord who heals. I am your personal physician. Those that receive the word that Mary shared that the Lord laid on her heart today, I'm going to invite you to come and, and find one of our prayer team and we're going to pray for you today. And I want to ask our prayer team to take your positions.